shore where the mountains meet the sea in a clapboard shack by a broken down tree there's a light in the window to salt the gals inside i'm not sure if they're witches but you know that's implied that the storytelling ego swelling pillow talking moonlight walking sea Hags podcast. My name is Chris Jeppa. And I'm Katie Nordgren. And with us today is a editor at Elephant Journal um, Online Writing Center. <laughs> you can call it's a it blo- that. Well, it's a blog. It's a big, fat, awesome blog site. <laughs> and friend of mine, an awesome gal who came all the way from Montreal just to be on this podcast and for no other reason, it's, <laughs> Re- it's Renee Picard. Hi, Renee. Hi, Hello. Renee. Thank you for having me. <laughs> you are. It's so nice to have you. <laughs> So we kind of like to start with a little bit of a uh, check-in. Mm-hmm. How was your week? Do you want to start or put my you in the hot seat? My week was a whirlwind. I mean, I was eating my favorite foods and seeing my favorite people and being at the beach every day, at least a little bit, which is a big treat for me now. Mm-hmm. Um, Montreal is still pretty wintry. Pretty, mi- You said it was like zero when you left? cold, but there's just, you know... No green and no ocean, mm-hmm. so I really appreciate that now. What was your and favorite, you said that you're eating your favorite foods, do you have like a favorite spot in Vancouver that it's like every time you come back you have to go to? I've gone to Hispania, I don't know if you guys have been I don't down know what that there. is. It's down on Denman Street, um, it's Spanish tapas, kind Ooh. of. I, don't I believe know. the term is tapas. Tapas, <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, <laughs> it's really delicious. No, it is tapas. You're right. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's really delicious. And Nuba went to Nuba. Oh, I love Nuba. Yeah. Do you have deep fried cauliflower? Yeah. Yes. Fucking cauliflower. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I had a huge, amazing sushi dinner after wreck. Oh, nice. The other day, which is like a tradition. Oh, that's the for most me. Vancouvery thing you yes. can do. Go to Wreck Beach. Yeah. Be naked. Have sushi. Yeah. It's a good time. That was amazing. Is it warm enough to be nude on the beach? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Great. Like, yeah. if it wasn't, too bad. I was anyway. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. I guess, yeah, the last couple of days have been unseasonably warm in a really delightful way. Oh, yeah. Um, and as we... I forgot to kind of orient us in our beautiful space here, um, but down, <laughs> being down by the ocean, we get a lot of, like, sea breeze coming through, um, but even even so, it still gets pretty hot once we uh, shut the windows of the Shanty Shack recording Absolutely. studio, but uh, it's been beautiful just to have the sun and go out and bask our very, very pasty bodies on the rocks. Like, <laughs> like sea lions? Yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> just angrily honking. <laughs> <laughs> did you see the okay? What did, some of the people at Rack Beach sounded like the other day? Right? <laughs> did you see the thing? There was like a dock somewhere on the west coast that was like overrun by sea lions, and no. they couldn't really get them to go away because they were just bold sea lion like males. You know how they all yep. congregate and just honk together, They're real and dickheads, bask in the sunshine. And so they put those things that you would put at a used car sale, like the blowy uppy. Oh no way. Yeah, what is that? It's like a tube with air, and then the air goes through, and yeah, it just like waves around like a weird dude. So they put a bunch of those on the dock, and then fired them all at once, and they all went woo! Like the seals fucked right off. They sure did. That's hilarious. (laughs) It was really funny. I really the visual. So there's another use for those then, (laughs) other than just Broad City and the occasional used car lot. Yeah, you can also use them to scare off (laughs) sea lions. I just you made me think of my favorite memory ever from Wreck Beach, and I'm not I don't go as regularly as you do, Chris, uh, Mm -hmm. because I you know. I still have Catholic hatred of my own body. You're not even Catholic. I, I was a Catholic. <laughs> I 
It's not even that. I just hate walking up those 800 million steps at the end of a hot ass day. Well, okay, yeah. this is where the Catholic in me comes into me. That, that, that's your punishment? It's your penance. Penance. For having such a good time, I go down to Rec Beach, I chill out, I like drink some beers, hang out in the sun, swim in the nude, just like have a wonderful time. And then you do have to pay the penance because it reorients you back into life. The horror of, of actual day-to-day -day life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're so sweaty at the end and there's somebody who's always set up like to sell you a popsicle and you're like, you crafty bastard. <laughs> I want that so bad right now. No, my favorite, my favorite thing I ever saw at Rec Beach, besides like a bunch of really attractive naked people, which is always good, uh, and unattractive naked people, also great. Love yeah, it. But I love um, it. there was a guy who was, he was playing volleyball and he had like a, a nice straw fedora on and he had like a seersucker suit, but only to the waist. Like he just had the top on and he was full on shirt cocking it. Like the jacket he had the he had, a, he had a seersucker suit jacket, <laughs> wow. a proper like button up shirt and just nothing below the waist. So Amazing. it was just like a full on dangler. <laughs> <laughs> and he was just, he was just having the time of his life. Yeah. Who did I hear was it in the middle of summer? Like, was oh, it yeah. Hot? Yeah. But I mean, he had a good vent going on. It's just like, yeah, his undercarriage was free and breezy. So I've heard that because we used to say shirt cocking all the time. Yeah. Where it's like the look of the Rec Beach vendor in the t shirt and the fanny pack and no pants, and they come over to you and just like, yeah, oh, hang out while they're ice making change. cold organic drinks. That guy. Oh, icy cold organic soft drinks. That guy has He's the lovely. nicest ass I've ever seen on yeah. a human being. <laughs> Probably <laughs> from all of the steps at Rec Beach. Yeah. yeah. But it's like perfectly round and golden, and I'm always like, damn. Yeah. But I also heard that uh, phenomenon of the top and no pants referred to as Daffy Duckin' It. Daffy Duckin' It. What's well, a little less rude than shirt cocking? <laughs> Shirt cocking is more fun to say. It's quite evocative. <laughs> but Daffy Duck in it is like, yeah, it really yeah. brings up the, the image. Basically. Or you could also be Porky Pig in it. Because there's yeah. just none of them for wearing pants. Oh, Porky Pig in it is very evocative of a man doing it, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> Lordy Lord. Oh, God. I love, love Rec it. Beach so much. I really can't wait to go. So you haven't been yet this year. I haven't been yet this year. It's a bit early um, in the season for me still. Mm -hmm. But uh, I did go to the beach in Gibsons when I went to visit my mom. Oh, and we saw tons of seals and the water I put my feet in and it was pretty fucking cold still. Yep. Um, You're pretty brave but, about swimming in the cold water though. Yep, yep. And Rec Beach is a nice sort of, like it warms you up because it's just a really long flat sandbank. so mm. I find it unsatisfying to swim in really but it warms up the water a lot faster. Mm -hmm. So yeah, good. I'm glad that yeah. you got to go to that. Oh yeah, no, it was amazing. <laughs> so um, any other Vancouver treats you've had to avail yourself of since you've been back? Nothing I can mention on the air. Oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> Visiting with friends. Having no, a good time. Um, yeah, just just really awesome. I, I I I can work remotely, so I'm working sometimes, but I did take a bit of extra time off work, which is really lovely. I think I needed to take a few days off. Yeah, you gotta we, balance uh, that work life. We and, also got to go yeah. see Joanna Newsom together, which is really fun. I know. Um and the heart player, Joanna Newsom, we'll put a link. Uh, for those not familiar, she's like a woodland sprite, elfin pixie, beautiful woman, um, who plays harp, writes these like beautiful epic poems basically, and puts them to music with crazy arrangements. And yeah, it's just a sincere delight. And the show is so beautiful. Just uh, we were talking a little bit just about how much I don't know. We love her, and it's kind of hard to get people into her a little bit. Yeah, she's not the most accessible musician. So, Katie, you're kind of. I'm not. I don't dislike her, but I, I also I always take a while to get into somebody who does something really outlandish. Like she does. She's a real vocal acrobatic person, and she has like kind of sometimes. 
I like low-voiced people, generally mm-hmm. speaking. They like alto, like women who sing alto, and mm-hmm. like a lot, well, male voices too, but mm-hmm. like, and she's just like, which is super cool, but it's not like something that you want to listen to while you're like jogging or whatever. I, yeah, no, I used to really, especially when I was a teacher, I mostly didn't like female vocalists at all. I was the same, and I um, hate for myself reason, for that, but I do I like a lower voice. Yeah, like I didn't, I, or maybe I found that a lot of female vocalists were too like high and squeaky and like mm-hmm. la la la. Um, yeah, so I can relate yeah, to yeah, the, yeah. yeah so oh, I can relate to that. But now I like way like most of the people that I listen to are female. Mm-hmm. That's definitely songs. where I'm going with things. But I, I like uh, I like uh, Florence and the Machine type because mm-hmm. uh, she's got sort of a lower vocal, but yeah. she can she can do some of the acrobatic stuff too. And she's sort of a weirdo. Yeah. So I think it's just a matter of time. Yeah, you will. To, you, you will, will get... fall to Joanne. <laughs> yeah, I I think so. I think it's like her music is so beautiful. Like all my close lady friends love her, so mm-hmm. I don't see why I don't yet. So well, I think it's also she she writes all. I think what I appreciate about her is that she writes all her songs. She writes all her music. Mm-hmm. It's all the lyri- the lyricality of it is like top notch. Like it's yeah. like out of this world. So that's another reason why I'm so obsessed is like even just her lyrics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I was saying I uh, to Renee when we were talking in lineup um, for the show that I left a Joanna Newsom just like her CD album insert on a coffee table and my partner picked it up and was like, oh, you left this book of poetry because it does like it's just designed with like a beautiful cover and then he just started reading them. He was like, oh, these are really beautiful, like this nice poetry book that you got. And I'm like, oh, that's actually like the, yeah, they're the song. And then I showed him the music and he was kind of like, this is trippy. (laughs) Um, And he appreciates it, but doesn't really like it. (laughs) I think, yeah, I think it's like one of those things where it's like an acquired food taste almost. Mm -hmm. Like I I didn't like, well, kombucha, for example, I thought was very disgusting. And now you're drinking the slimiest green (laughs) bullshit. It's like dark, dark green. It looks like it's good for you. Yeah. And that's always disgusting. Yeah. So, so it's really, yeah, and I think Joanna Newsom is maybe musical kombucha. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, this is weird. There's like stuff in it that I don't understand. It's kind of unpalatable. Oh, but it's making me a better person for having consumed it. Yeah, and it's like making me feel really good inside for some reason. I just feel a little bit light and effervescent. And yeah. Like, ah. <laughs> bring, bring. So... Um, we were also talking about sort of how she doesn't make her voice palatable for people, mm-hmm. which is kind of a yeah. thing that a lot of people get maybe bent. Oh, I don't like her. She's not. Mm-hmm. It's like she really goes in for the sort of not grotesque because she's so sort of ethereal, but like just the like squeaky, harsh kind of tones of her voice yeah. that she doesn't try to play down mm-hmm. and like maybe emphasizes a lot more. And I noticed that she's changed her vocal style um, to be a little smoother. And I think something was she was. Wrecking her voice, singing yeah, like I that. Think she had like vocal nodules. Or, yeah, yeah. Like, same um, thing was happening to Adele because she was she's like a real vocal fry singer, like uh, kind of thing, and she mm-hmm. got nodules and had to have them taken out. Yeah, too. that's mm. something to really be aware of, I guess, as we're all, you know, speaking mm-hmm. and singing and stuff like that, where it's like treat your voice well, do your warm ups, do your breathing, yeah. like. It's amazing how important the breathing is. Like I've only taken vocal lessons a few times in my life, but every time it's like how much of it is not up here in your face and your neck and stuff, but, like, down in your belly. Mm Because controlling the air coming out of your mouth is, like, the biggest thing. And if you don't have that sort of abdominal control of the the breath, then you're using your throat way too much. And, And like, really tensing it up and closing it up to force it. I felt myself doing that just now as we were talking. I was, like, so conscious of it that I was, like, fucking myself up and, like, oh, now my throat feels weird. Am I going to have to have surgery? Oh, yeah. (laughs) I worry about that. 
when I was doing the Edinburgh Fringe um, and did like 30 gigs in 30 days, I was just really freaked out about how I was going to fuck up my voice. Mm -hmm. um, and I didn't, which was awesome. Mm -hmm. I found, that's how I found my singing voice, because I'm like, I have to find a way to sing that's going to be more sustainable, smoother, that feels really good, and it feels good coming out of me. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, yeah. Like, yeah, you totally had a different singing voice when you came back from that. Yeah. It was wild. And I love your singing voice. Thank so. you. Um, and then I also tried not to like yell over music at bars as much. And that's kind of a hard thing when you're like out playing shows and then people want to talk to you. Right. You're like yelling over. Maybe we crowds. should just learn very basic ASL if we're going to go do an Edinburgh show at some point. <laughs> so we can just like communicate with each other really uh, effectively. I would love to learn ASL for lots and lots of reasons. Oh, yeah. yeah that would just be one wonderful. side little benefit. Or we could, we could learn cave signs like the cl or oh, clan signs. Oh, for fuck's sakes. <laughs> I've been reading Clan of the Cave Bear books again. Oh my god. <laughs> I can't stop. Oh, you read them too? I read them when I was young. My mom I... made me read them because she was like, you'll like these. Like, mom, these are porn. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's cave porn. <laughs> totally. She's I like, know. you'll like it. You're a teenager. <laughs> I would like skip ahead to the like little sexy scene. The fucking John But I actually liked all of it. I was mm -hmm. like, oh, this is so cool. We did like a whole book club episode about it that hasn't come out yet, so. Yeah, yeah. but I've, I've started reading the fourth book and kind of getting back into it, I guess. And, right on. You know, they're hunting and they have to be really quiet, and so they're using like hand signals to communicate. And right. It's well, pretty good, but I guess. Those cave signals. Or we could actually learn ASL, which is way more useful. Yes, and we could actually communicate so with our friends that use ASL. Yeah. So. <laughs> I definitely have a few friends who are hearing impaired, so... There's a really cool thing in Vancouver, and it's queer ASL. Oh, wow. Where it's, Ooh. like, yeah, queer folks teaching... Fucking A. ASL workshops and how to talk more about, like, lots of sexuality issues and things like that, but, like, within a context of, like, it's all fun... Yeah, fun people to hang out with. That's and great. We should do that. I kind of want to. Well, mm. that's a plan, then. Okay. All right. I'm going to write, write it down. down. <laughs> Queer ASL. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Chris, what else have you been up to this week? Um, Just kind of treating myself gently, trying to kind of, like, be good. <laughs> I don't know. It's been... I've had a really nice week, um, and I've been going out a lot. We went to the show on Wednesday. Mm. Um... Thursday night, we had some fun social times. Mm -hmm. uh, Friday night, uh, I went to see the Femme Choir show. Oh, yeah, how was that? It was beautiful. Yeah, where was it again? It was at the York Theatre, which is right. really oh, nice yeah. okay. space. And I went with my friend Hillary, who sings the theme song of our podcast, and we dressed up really beautifully. Is it Femme City Choir? Yeah. I'm writing and that down, too. they did an amazing show. Their choral director is really outstanding, and she writes all of their arrangements. And so they do some really cool arrangements, and she's a big mashup person, so I love it. Um, and they're taking a hiatus for a year, so it's kind of the last one for a bit, and I was mm. really happy to see it, and so many of my wonderful friends are in it. Mm. They always have a color scheme and theme of, like, mm -hmm. how they dress up, so this time it was metallics, and nice. everyone wow. looked so hot. Futuristic. Yeah, like, one of the, the femme C's, her name's Mel, she does... Oh my god, I love fucking puns. <laughs> yes. They, uh, it was... Femme uh, Mel, and then my friend Anushka, who I would love to have on the show, because she's an amazing oh, yeah. theater person and badass. Anyway. Oh, she was at the comedy thing that we saw yeah. last time, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I remember her. Yeah. And, uh, so, but Mel... It was apparently an American Apparel outfit, and apparently all of the American Apparel metallics are on 70% off right now, so we Ooh. should go look at that. Um, some future clothes. But she was basically wearing like a really, it looked like liquid silver metallic jumpsuit. It was wow. the best. Just the best. I started following this uh, Tumblr that I think you would really love. It's it's like called y Y2K House Aesthetics or something, oh, and oh so God. it's like all of these ads from, I'd say, 95 to about 2003. So they've got like 
there, every day there is stuff from the TLC fan mail tour. So there's like, you know, all of their oh, cool outfits from the No outfits. Scrubs video. Uh, and like uh, clips from hackers and stuff. So and, and then there's just like pages out of the Delia's catalog or like the Alloy catalog of just like uh, baby backpacks and like silver pants and all that kind of stuff. I'm like, this is my shit. I always wanted to own a pair of silver pants so that I would also then own a zero t-shirt and just walk around dressed up like Billy Corgan. <laughs> Billy Corgan with nice. pants. Yeah. Nice. I was thinking about him because I was listening to our Bob episode and uh, we should talk Billy Corgan a lot. Really? <laughs> about how, yeah, his poetry's not very good. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Billy Corgan. He was just fine. trying to be vulnerable <laughs> with his autobiographical. <laughs> 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 He's, such a He's just such a big bald goof. <laughs> I like him. Apart He's... from that whole like impregnating a twenty-one. Well, yeah, I mean thing. that's all that. I just I like him from Smashing Pumpkins. That's... Yeah, that's the only reference. I haven't really. I don't know anything else. I'm it's never, fine. You don't have to. I'm <laughs> never gonna get over the Hullabaloo episode of The Simpsons because it has my favorite line in television of all time, which is Billy Corgan smashing pumpkins. Homer Simpson smiling politely. <laughs> That's such a cute dad joke. Hullabalooza. <laughs> and I love that the Chili Peppers were in that as well. Oh, not that episode. They're oh, in the no. Krusty episode oh, okay, where it's right. like, uh, we got some problems with your lyrics here, Chili oh, yes. Peppers. Uh, where the part where you go, what I got, you gotta get it, put it in you. Could you change it to... What I've got, you gotta get, and I'd like to hug and kiss you. <laughs> well, that's much better. <laughs> Encyclopedic knowledge oh, of Simpsons wow. quotes up it's, here. I, I love it. Simpsons. I haven't watched it. So oh, I haven't either, but I just like have committed it's... seasons two through ten to my permanent memory. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. I'm jealous. Actually. I could. I, that's many gigs of of storage. I could probably clear that off my personal hard drive. <laughs> Will it ever get out? Though? Nope. Oh, really? No, no, no. It's in there forever. Yeah. And it's so useful to just pop up and it just brings totally. so much joy every time you bring it back. So why get rid of it? <laughs> why get rid of it? Exactly. I like it. But yeah, other than that, uh, yeah, just being social, I'm like, oh, I got a vehicle, which is a big yeah. change in my life. You mentioned that earlier. Um, we've been looking for a truck for a while mm-hmm. and I've, you know, I usually don't give a shit about cars mm-hmm. or any vehicles. So then as my partner was looking around, like telling me all the stats of things. I'm like, I don't care. I don't, don't care. care. Don't, don't care. care. Don't care. And then started getting excited about it. And then he found a really good one on Craigslist for cheaper than he was thinking. And it's pretty fucking sweet. It's a Jeep Grand Cherokee Limited 60th anniversary edition. <laughs> Basically, we want it for camping and fishing. And our goal for this spring and summer and fall is to basically explore as much as we can within an hour drive from home. Because wow. there's so much, like, in the Lower Mainland, so much beautiful space that oh, we've yeah. never been to, oh, like, on the yeah. North Shore. Really getting into the Fraser Valley. Like, we went out to Harrison and this place called Kilby. Oh, and yeah. we saw, like, it's like a creepy old, like, abandoned, like, sawmill is out Ooh. there. And all these, like... It's haunted as shit. It was super it. haunted because we went on, like, in the fall, it was, like, end of September, maybe even October, mm-hmm. looking for sort of the end of the salmon season. And the Fraser River was, like, milky white in certain places. It was really foggy. And then we got out to Kilby, and it was, like, blue and really beautiful. And there was just all these old sockeyes that had just come up and spawned and were just kind of waiting to die. Like, they're zombie fish. But they're, like, bright purple, which is really beautiful. Do you not eat those? or No, they're pretty, like, they've got, like, white patches on them that are falling off. And, like, they're just kind of decomposing. Yeah. 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 Gross. So, yeah, you kind of, the ones that are spawned out taste real different they're real soggy and well that's no good yeah, yeah. I mean, in a pinch if you're starving but we got a bunch of chum salmon that's still in the freezer um and we've been eating it sort of 
it feels really good to like go out and catch food and then eat it like and you're eating beautiful like summertime tasting food even mm -hmm. after it's been in the freezer and the chum that had been spawned out in the river it's like very thick and but it takes a marinade really well so you do some teriyaki on that Ooh, and you barbecue yeah. it all up and make it real crispy on the love skin that and it's so good i love a fish so that's my spring and summer and fall really carved out for me is just like come home from work on friday pack up the car with our whole we've got like a whole bed setup that we're gonna build um and Perfect. like a bunch of modular shit to pull nice. out of wow. it um it's the car has like a plug-in in the back so you can have a cooler that you plug in to keep stuff <gasps> that's red. Wow. so that's we can keep red. our fish um and then basically like go out friday night find somewhere nice camp get up in the morning go fishing come home in the afternoon Perfect. And then, you know, Ed can still build guitars because he needs to be doing that all the time because yep. running your own business takes a lot of work. Yep. Mm. And I can still have time on the weekends to do other leisure stuff and podcast. And podcast. You know, and see friends and... Yeah, so I'm really excited. And also to be able to take friends out on little day trips to, like, Ooh, let's go to Lynn yeah. Cannon and go for a hike and just, like, the time that we have been going out now and, like, spending time in the green, it just makes me feel so good. <laughs> Well, that's great. Like that that's nature really... time really just resets everything. I think there's some study that said that green, like the color green, does good things to your brain in general. Nice. Well, like makes your like wavelengths like chilled out and stuff. Well, that so. makes sense. I definitely, uh, I got a new Fitbit <laughs> this last week. Uh, I, uh, it's weird. I, I like to walk and I'll do it regardless, but if I can gamify it and make sure that I'm like, oh, I have a goal, I have to do this or whatever, it just makes me go out more. And I've been, it's been so fucking nice this week that just being outside feels amazing mm -hmm. and just getting the vitamin d from the sun and because uh, i live i live in new west and there's like a lot of really cool walking trails and parks and all kinds of stuff and just good big old hills to work your quads and your butt and all that stuff so mm. i've been a little bit more active i wish i was sleeping better I'm being an insomniac again. Mm. Go through my I talk about that quite a bit, I think, on the podcast. I'm like, not sleeping. Hate it. Sucks. Mm. I'm waiting for somebody to, like, just send me a bubble mailer full of Ambien or something. <laughs> hint, maybe, hint. Maybe don't send drugs in the mail. Maybe don't. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's super illegal. And so also, we're, also we're that. never going to give out our address. <laughs> just guess. So. <laughs> Hag shack. <laughs> Somehow it found its way to us. How was your week, Katie? The it's last been good. Of days? A couple from the not sleeping mm -hmm. has been has been like I'm in a really good place emotionally and socially and it's uh oh I um did I talk about last time we recorded did I talk about doing an open mic yes I did yeah okay so I've just been uh just like communicating a little bit more with people in the comedy community locally and just feeling really supported by everybody that I meet and mm. um it's but I'm like a real sweetie and I don't I don't have any I mean I have an ego but I don't have like a big inflated one. I think I'm, I'm pretty good, but it's like, I'm really invested in telling other people that they're doing really well mm. and like creating those sort of connections of like positivity and f positive feedback loops. And I mean, not to the exclusion of improving our work and stuff, but just to be able to say like, you're really good. I like it. I want to do shows with you and that kind of stuff. That's it's just huge really too in the elephant community. A lot of mutual support, like yeah. a lot of you kissing know, each other's bums a little bit. And <laughs> yeah, but not really. Like no. I meaning it. I thought <laughs> about it. it a lot and wanted to write about it a little bit more. But where's the line between self promotion, like in a healthy way, and a 
in a community way. Yeah. In sort of a back and forth way versus like sure. being narcissistic and just totally full of yourself and like self promotion versus like support and community and like being positive and still like you have to get your work out there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of but, different kinds of people in the comedy community, I think. Mm-hmm. Like, and it was it was really interesting to just watch that at the open mic because like a lot of people were talking about like cocaine jokes or like fucking jokes and stuff. And there's a guy who does comedy who is he's a recovering heroin addict and he gets up and he's like, wow, you guys. I can tell you one thing, I never would have done drugs with any of you, which I just <laughs> was so fucking funny. He's like, you know what's that. better than heroin? Nothing. <laughs> I was like, you know what's better than coke is heroin, and what's better than heroin is nothing, so don't do heroin. <laughs> like, that's he's hilarious. really, that's obviously not his bit, but he's super funny. So that's just awesome. like, like seeing all these different people who are at different places in their lives, and like, how annoying people are who do cocaine a lot, like, <laughs> <laughs> so... I was like, okay, I won't be doing cocaine with comedians. That's that's good to know that now. <laughs> I don't want to do that. Uh, but it's just like I met a really cool... La- I met Jenny Toes, who is... She does comedy locally. She's on The Lady Show. Um, and she just, like, in- introduced herself to me and sat down at my table and was, like, hmm. super cool. Uh, and it was nice. Like, it was really... Was like, great. Okay, I'm going to meet you, and then you'll know me, and then I'll know you, and we can, like, talk each other up, and mm-hmm. yeah, it'll be a super nice thing. So. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. Uh, we talk about this a lot, Katie, you and I... And- just in terms of collaboration instead of competition. Mm. And it, you know, I struggled a lot in the music scene in terms of like, oh, that, especially with other female cellists, (laughs) like, this is my thing. It's like my little niche. And then it's like, well, you know what? Even though there's like five of us in the city, like, it's still pretty niche. And Mm -hmm. three of them are named Chris. (laughs) (laughs) Wasn't Chris Dirksen move? Chris Dirksen did move, yes. Uh, She is fucking outstanding and is playing at the Junos not just for her oh, own album which that. was nominated for the Junos but she's playing with Buffy St. Marie I saw that oh. I love Buffy St. Marie I and I love Chris Dirksen we'll have, yeah. we'll, I'll, I'll try to get Chris Dirksen next time that she passes through to come and chat with us that would be so amazing she's so phenomenal so phenomenal didn't I see was, she was like at a Peaches concert or something like or Peaches was doing a spoken word thing that I went to mm. and Chris Dirksen opened for her I think yep. oh, wow. I'm like am I remembering this correctly or did I dream this um, I feel like that happened at W2 and I went to that, and it was just Possible. a really interesting thing. So, yeah. Um, but then just in terms of, like, reaching out to other, like, especially female musicians in the city, because we're kind of told, like, oh, you know, each band has, like, one girl maybe that plays the bass or something. And so it feels like, <laughs> well, yeah, present, present company included. <laughs> the girl um, always plays the bass. But there is that kind of trope, right? Or, like, mm-hmm. you only see either bands have no women or just one. Yet Janice from the Muppets. Yeah, like, or so you kind of think, like, oh, there's limited space and I don't want to... If I play with you, then you'll take my spot. Yeah, and so yeah, it's bullshit, and I really want to break that down. And so I'm really trying, and have been for the last ten years, to just like reach out to people and be like, "What can we do together? What can we work on? Like, let's do a show. Let's do something that we could both do. I don't know." Yeah, well, I mean, so I love having... with with comedy. Like, I think the Lady Show did that a lot, where yeah. it's like, "Hey, let's carve out our own space and do our own thing." Totally, and it's like massively popular. It's just like, oh yeah, people want to see different. It's so good. It's so funny. And it was people great. also want to see that collaborative mm-hmm. like energy mm-hmm. on stage. Yeah, well, yeah. we had right? Lauren on last time um, when we recorded Lauren Martin. Um, like, I feel like her and I might write a sketch together or yeah. something, and it's about sexy babies, maybe. <laughs> we were doing that voice a lot together, yeah. so. And, like, other things that have spawned even from this podcast so far that have, like, will be released to you guys, like, it's sparking some creativity. It makes me want to collaborate with the people that we have on. Yeah. Or just it sparks an idea and lets 
oh, let's invite some people and we'll do this thing that comes off of the podcast and record a song or whatever. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I'm very inspired by all mm-hmm. of that kind of stuff and really into mm-hmm. collaboration. Yeah. So that's kind of what we're talking about today, I yeah. think, is like collaboration and creation and creativity and... Yeah. Renee, do you mind giving us a little background just on what Elephant Journal is and how it came to be? You were telling me a little bit about, like, its origin story or yeah, what? Yeah, well, I guess it just started, to center I us think into... it's 12, maybe 13 years ago now. started out in print, out of Boulder. Uh, Colorado? Boulder, Colorado. That would be Waylon Lewis. Just giving you a little plug there. <laughs> um, started it, and he... It was a it was a print magazine at first, so he did that for six years, and then he moved it to online. Cool. Right when he was like considering whether or not to keep going with it, he decided to make move to online. Mm-hmm. So um, it has yeah, it's uh, it's sort of reader and writer created. So it's this awesome opportunity for people. Anyone can submit. We don't accept everything outright, but <laughs> anyone can submit. So it's this really amazing platform for people who are just starting out. Um, we have some other more experienced writers, too. Um, uh, yeah, there's over, like, 50,000 articles on there that have been published. Holy um, shit. Yeah. That's so many. many. Yeah. Um, for, from, like, the beginning? Like, is there the an beginning. archive on? Yeah. Okay. Did I it. mean, it's, on, like, online, right? So mm-hmm. they're all on there um, about all sorts of topics, like, you name it. Yeah. It's probably on there. It spans as long as a it pretty... goes. I mean, the mission is sort of, like, in the aim of the mindful the mindful life, right? Mm-hmm. So as long as whatever you're writing about is sort of like thoughtfully constructed and, and has a doesn't have to be a positive message, but a important message. Some piece of growth or something yeah, like that. A reflection. Like, yeah. But we have all sorts of stuff. I mean we have a bit of poetry, we have some personal stuff, we have book excerpts, we have spirituality, like philosophical mm-hmm. stuff, and um, you know some new agey stuff sneaks in there. Yeah, but we're not... you said it was started by a guy that does like sort of Shambhala yes. Buddhism. Yeah, which so is that's his background. Yeah, so that's sort of where he was coming from when he started. Yeah, for sure. It's mindfulness really gets to like it's been getting into a lot of different things. Like it comes up everywhere now in terms of like self care, mm-hmm. um, and like corporate retreats yeah. and things like that. In terms of mindfulness, so like this seems more like a personal practice kind of thing. Like I'm just gonna reflect on this experience and I want to write about it and make it sort of make it visible and take it out of myself to reflect on it, which mm-hmm. I think is kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. And so. and you're an editor. Yes. And what does that entail? Um, pretty much, I mean, the whole realm of things that, it, that an editor was I guess I kind of, I know what editor means. Well, I mean, <laughs> it's weird, though. We do a lot of yeah. stuff, yeah. um, or you might not do a lot of stuff. It do you vet the pieces, or do you get yeah. vetted pieces to edit? No, we, we accept or ask for revisions from people submitting. Cool. And then, so we make those decisions, um, a bunch of us editors, I think, there's like at least ten of us right now, um... And that's a really amazing experience to be giving feedback all the time yeah. and working with writers back and forth and kind of like there's been a couple of awesome times where I've been like, this is a great learning experience and I feel like I'm a better person and the other person is really happy with the results, like going back and forth a little bit. So That's cool that it gives something to you as well. It's not just about you giving feedback to whatever writer submits something, but then you get a lot out of it as well. It's a, yeah, like it's a recursive is that the right word? I think so. Back and forth. Yeah. 
you know, Di- conversation. It's when the dialogue. other person Dialect- is dialectical, dialogical, dialectical, yeah, dialectical. I think is what I was thinking. Mm. Anyways, the, if, as long as the, the writer is exactly the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> Hegel, Hegel, Hegelian dialectics. <laughs> yeah, that. <laughs> no, that's bless a, you. That's, that's a different thing. I just had to get that out. Whenever I say dialectics, I'm like Hegel. Hegel. This <laughs> <laughs> <a> compulsion. <laughs> So as long as the writer is open to the feedback, then it's mm-hmm. a really awesome experience. And sometimes cool. people aren't as much, and that's okay too. We work with them. It's well. hard. It's hard to accept criticism and feedback. I think, mm-hmm. or even just even just like constructive criticism can be mm-hmm. difficult to process. Yeah, I love it because I like yeah. Eventually, when you break down the sort of false pride, it's just nice to be told how to improve the things that you're doing. Oh, absolutely, and that's what you know. Mm-hmm. We try and say this is just a suggestion. Mm-hmm. Um, we think like, that this it. might improve the piece. <laughs> well, no, we think this might improve the piece, but. You can do whatever you want. It just mm-hmm. needs more of X to like yeah. round out the story or I'm whatever. I'm a huge overwriter, so I, <laughs> I really like being told to cut things down or like, this is extraneous, let's cut this. And it makes the things that are left in really sing mm-hmm. if you can pare yeah. down sort of the extra shit. Exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. sort of what it's about, being concise and really choosing your words. Brevity is the soul of wit. Yes. I remember in, in my policy class, we had to do one-page summaries of lots of different things. And I was like, oh, you know, I'm... A really good writer. I write all these academic papers that are like 30 pages long and they're, you know, get A's on them and shit. And then it's like to write a one pager. It was so hard because mm. I was like this issue, it, you had to pick an issue out of the newspaper and, oh, my goodness. you know, reflect on, from like three different news sources, how each of them were representing it and what their angle was or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, how do I get that into one page? You just had to outline the issue in the sense. So like your words... And your vocabulary really comes into play because mm-hmm. it's like, what word encompasses this whole feeling that I'm trying to get? Like, mm-hmm. ooh, condense it down. And it was so satisfying. When I got, like, finally down to one page, I'm like, yes, this actually does clearly communicate what I want, all of the, like, feelings behind it, all of the intent and messaging and whatever. Wow. And it reads clearly. It doesn't read like an academic piece of jargon bullshit. So, mm-hmm. like, I could... The goal was to give that piece of paper to someone who had no idea what you were talking about, who wasn't in academia, and be like, here, read this. What Does that make sense to you? And people would say yes. Like, Were you using... I'm awesome. trying to remember, because I remember you doing that, because, I mean, we talk all the time, yep. <laughs> constantly. And uh, you... Were you using that the Reddit page, Explain It Like I'm Five, or something like that, or some sort of, like... Oh! Um, it this was... was for a different class. Oh, okay. But, um, it, that, but it's the same sort of principle, right? Like like breaking something down into language that a five-year-old could understand mm. and like even a very complicated idea, like explain, you know, the start of World World War One or World War Two to me like I'm yeah. five years old. And so yeah. like somebody having to break that down to the most simple language yes. to get that across. This, for the policy class, they said, they said a grade mm. eight reading level kind of, so sure. high so school. So not quite a five-year-old, but... But the class that I used, it was a the word... It was like a text editor, and it was only the most popular or like most, most used... 10,000 most used words or something yeah. like that. Oh, so wow. you could only use words like, and then you have to do the thing that means this thing and that thing, and it really broke it down. It was for a class, um, you were trying to explain a social issue, so I talked about what social support means, mm-hmm. and but you can't use any academic jargon, it's just the top 10,000 words, and this wasn't part of the assignment, I just had seen this online. I'm mm-hmm. like, that seems like a cool way to make it a little more creative, and I managed to write this piece, and it read sort of like a poem, and it mm. made me feel really good. I actually would like to link to it okay. on our uh, yeah. on our thing, because it was cool. It just like social support, it's like, it means that when people are feeling sad, like, you take care of them, and everyone takes mm. care of everybody, so that when you're feeling sad, someone will take care of you, like, wow. stuff like that. 
Yeah. And yeah, it was a neat way to communicate as well. Hmm. So. I love that breaking it down to super like one of my favorite writers on Elephant Journal. She's she's a really amazing writer and but she always just starts with she often writes about she's a parent and so she often writes about yeah. just it's a moment with her kids, right? Mm -hmm. But she starts really simple. She starts with a moment or like a really simple thought. Or, you know, sometimes I'll, if I'm asking, if I'm giving feedback, I'm like, where's your aha moment? Like, where's mm -hmm. just one, you know, part of your week last week that made you, like, shift the thinking? So, like, starting really, really simple like that, mm -hmm. especially with simple language, mm -hmm. is big. Yeah. And people don't really realize that about Yeah, I think writing. we, we want to, like, it's the ego thing coming in again. Like, we want to show how, sm how smart we are. Mm -hmm. uh, and I definitely struggle with that a lot because I, I read very early as a child and was, like, just a nerd, like a, like a bookish little dork. And so I, uh, I, I took so much pride in, like, being smarter than my peers that I just turned into a little shithead. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of other stuff going on, and that was, like, something I was clinging to, like, a life raft. Like, I'm good! I know big words! Well, yeah. You know? And so, like, let it, learning to let that go for the, uh, for the sake of effective communication yeah. mm -hmm. has been a very big, like, adult lesson for me. Well, yeah. it's also, I mean, like, we were talking about the other day with academia, you still have to learn you know, how to write academically, or you yep. still, like, having that vocabulary is still important. Mm -hmm. It's just but that you don't always have to use The right it, tool for the right, right job. Right? Yes, yeah. and yeah. knowing your audience. Mm -hmm. And then also recognizing the barriers that certain language puts up for people. Mm -hmm. And that was a big thing for me to get over, was just, like, how fucking classist it is. Yeah. When I'm just like, oh, here's my academic vocabulary. Here's me correcting. Here's me correcting your grammar and being snooty about how you spelled that wrong or whatever. I, like, still wrestle with that sometimes where I'm like, oh, if it's not written well, I don't want to talk to you about it or whatever. And it's like, no, shush. People come from different places and they have different, yeah, different ways of speaking. Yep. And their ideas are still really valid. So it kind mm. of figuring out ways to have different kinds of communication and what counts as like legit yeah. or mm. evidence or whatever is yeah, a big thing. Yeah, where does legitimacy come from? Yeah. Like we give it to things. White supremacy is where legitimacy kind of comes Ooh, from, isn't it? Ooh. It kind of is, yeah. as uncomfortable as that is. I, yeah. mean, I mean, not in a, an objective way, but in how things yeah. are experienced yeah. in the world, I Are guess. you talking about like legitimacy in a way, in a way that I don't? Like, is there a bigger picture? Yeah, I just, I jumped to that right away. Yeah, <laughs> but like, just in like, terms of, like, so someone writes a piece that's, like, more academic, and it's right. got references and all these different things, and then someone writes a blog post, maybe, and then it's yeah. like, well, one's more legit than the other. Right. But it's like, no, that's still someone's evidence. Oh, that's just anecdotal. That doesn't count. Right. Oh, yeah, we, you have to I'm sure that that comes that up a lot time. in terms of, like, mm -hmm. personal writing. Well, and I have to do it, too. I have to tell people to do things like include references, because mm -hmm. I'm like, I can't publish your... You can't make a claim with it. Can't, we can't make a claim, yeah. claim, especially when it comes to health or legal, health and legal stuff. Yeah. Magnets are going to cure the shit out of your cancer, Exactly. Basically. You know, that's not... So we have yeah. to... We have a responsibility to transparency, yeah. and some of that is sometimes, you know, mm -hmm. asking for... Or I'm like, you can talk about it as your experience. You just can't phrase it in a way that this is truth, but you can phrase yeah. it in a way that this is my experience. This is your truth. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then you're not... We're not making a claim. Mm -hmm. And I'm not disparaging having, like, references. I fucking love references. Like, mm -hmm. I will over-reference everything, yep. and credit where credit is due and all of that I think is really important, and you can weave that into personal writing. I think that's oh, yeah, really absolutely. important to do. Mm -hmm. yeah. And acknowledge where your inspiration comes from and your sources and, like, how things came to be in your mind is cool. Mm -hmm. That's another way to be reflexive and um, kind of flesh out your writing sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, but then also a lot of times, you know, people won't count someone's personal experience as evidence of something. Exactly. And it's like, well, 
It is, though. It's in my new job that I still can't really talk about super publicly. Um, mm. I'll be getting a lot of feedback from the public in terms of like, hey, here's another example of why we need a poverty reduction plan. Here's another reason why we need... And just like getting all of those people's stories together to make a really convincing argument is mm. actually awesome. Mm -hmm, and it's absolutely. almost more effective than being like, I have a hundred graphs for you. Because then the person that you're presenting that to might just be like, uh, too long, didn't read. Sorry. Till the yard. Yeah. So, um, I, I just, we were talking about personal writing and subjectivity mm -hmm. and stuff. Um, Elephant Journal is largely an autobiographical. Yeah. I mean, there's all sorts of sort of genres and perspectives and we've, but it know, is more personal writing then. We do, we do like encourage people to write from a personal perspective. Yes. So m the majority of the articles, mm -hmm. I guess. A lot of them are. Have you done are. editing work for uh, for like a organization or something that's that's very much a different kind of writing, or is has that always been your history? No, I was kind of doing like a different jobs as kind of admin and things like that. Then I started writing for Elephant Journal, and then I oh cool. So you took it the was internship like a... and then volunteered editing and then got the job. So wow, cool. This is sort of all how long t how long was that timeline? I have, um, I guess three years ago I would have been. I would have been starting to submit my writing and then went to, did the apprenticeship program. And then I've started, I started working at Elephant Journal two years ago. That's cool. So that's you... the only experience I have really on job editing. But have you always been a writer? Yes. But, I mean, I've always written for myself. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, so. that's a writer. Yeah. yeah. That's a question of legitimacy, right? Yeah. Like, well, I'm not published. Well, I'm not really a writer. Exactly. I'm like, no, you are a writer. You're yeah. a writer. <laughs> yeah. Um, I still have a, it's that imposter syndrome thing, right? Yeah. Oh, I God, it's like, such a I'm a writer. I'm right. I can't see. Spit it out. <laughs> Spit it out. Um, so, uh, are you comfortable telling us about the kind of stuff that you submitted originally? Like, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I think the first one. I mean, now I'm like, no, I'm I, don't like, if, oh, I don't know if you guys have experienced this, but now I'm like, I probably wouldn't write. That? Like, oh, I feel like yes. I'm such a different... Oh, 100%. You know? Absolutely. I look back... I mean, um, like, I, re I read poetry I wrote as a 17-year-old on this podcast. It's painful exactly. to do that. Like, it's yeah. scary Yeah. to go back and be like, oh, I thought this was so good when I did it. Yeah. I'm such a dummy. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, I, I wrote... I mean, the first one was, like, the, the beauty of being alone or whatever. And I started talking about... You know, I, I added that uh, Tanya. I can't remember her name. That um, YouTube video, the spoken word. Oh, the, the, the yeah, I can, I can see that in my you know, head. The, uh, the like pleasures and being alone. And yeah, that kind of, like, it's not so, sad. Yeah, basically, yeah. To be so by I yourself. added that video, and that was sort of like that blog. Yeah. And then one of the ones that made I still it, agreed with that. <laughs> I love it. I love to be alone. Yeah. And then I actually wrote one like six, I think, common misconceptions misconceptions of polyamory. So cool. Um, that got big, like tons of views or whatever. And then another one that was like, date a woman that knows that nothing and everything or everything and nothing. That got tons of, like, it was just this very poetic thing that came out and it's like still floating around out there. Ooh, People awesome. love it. So that's kind of one of my sort of, I don't, want to, I don't want to say fluffy, but it was more sort of like poetic and just sort of, yeah, you know. Um, and, you know, a couple of, like, a couple of political things, a couple of sort of like, trying out different topics and different sort of styles and stuff like that. But yeah, the first few were personal. It's hard to, it's hard to look back on those after you've had some time away and you're like, Ooh, it's, it's still kind of raw in a weird way, but it's like, is that even me that said that? Like, cause I don't feel that way now necessarily. Yeah. Or, or yeah. well, it's more than I'm, I'm feel like, I don't know. There's another one that's like 10. Oh, I can't remember my own writing. This is great. <laughs> um, 10 things that, 
rock ten about things being, I hate about you. <laughs> yeah, it was ten things that rock about being singleish or something, right? So that was a fun one, but we're going with the listicles. So mm-hmm. this whole sort of like listicle blog thing is sort of like it's overdone, but it's effective. But mm-hmm. and I did it, but I'd like to sort of just try different things now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's part of the thing. It's more the style than necessarily the content. Yeah, yeah if I was writing that list, it would definitely like items one through nine would definitely be like farting with impunity in different <laughs> situations. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying to hold that in. You know? Farting at the beach, farting in the park, farting. I think in, there is an farting article. Farting after dark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's something I think about a lot. It's there like, you go. Can you do? You should totally. <laughs> you should totally submit a fun like comedy <laughs> comedy blog, and we can publish it. That'd be awesome. All the cool places I farted this week. Yeah, totally. like do a Dr. Seuss style. <laughs> All the places you'll fart. <laughs> oh my god, I'm not submitting that. I'm tempted to though, because I would laugh the whole time I was writing. <laughs> no, but I was thinking like you could submit some kind of like fun comedy writing. Like I would love like, to submit something. Yeah. I, I'm always looking for things that uh, to. I need, I need like that little scrap of legitimacy. Like somebody else has to approve what I write before it goes up. Like I have my own blog and I post things to that, and then I go oh. back and read them and go like. I'm ridiculous. Well, I, but it's, sh- it's, I could just, like, you could send me a couple of things sure. from the blog, and That'd I'd be love cool. to read them and just be like, oh, yeah, this would that. work, or this wouldn't work, or would, do you mind if I edit a bit, or whatever. Oh, yeah, no, that would be fantastic, because I've That'd written quite a, quite a few things that. on there. Collaboration! Yeah! I do love, and I love to write, and I want to do more, like, um, medium form, write, like, short to medium form writing, I think, so. Yeah. Yeah, that's be great. amazing. Woo-hoo. I'd love to do that. Yeah. Great. I think that kind of writing is such an exercise, too, in, like, doing the thing, finishing it, sending it out, and just being like, okay, I can't do anything more, because I will edit forever and then never mm-hmm. release something, mm-hmm. and I'm really trying to get into, like, you know, write the song, don't get too hung up on what the words are, the chord progression, and just kind of, like, finish it, mm-hmm. and then maybe you can you can revise it later, but, like, finish it, perform it, mm-hmm. and see what kind of reaction, like, put it out in the world earlier, it doesn't have to be perfect before you send it out, you know, and... That is really hard to, yeah. like, I over-edit, or I I spend too much time, I can't let go of it. Sometimes mm-hmm. I have to remove myself. Like, I actually put it on preview mode so that I'm not in the WordPress anymore. Mm-hmm. So that I can remove myself and sort of edit more objectively. Mm-hmm. Um, or a couple times when I published a piece that I was pretty sure was going to get big, I remember just, like, shutting my computer and, like... Don't read the comments. Recover, no. like, or are there comments in. on this journal? Oh yeah, yeah. That's I'm tough. Not a ton, ton usually in the word, like in the article, but right. like we'll post on Facebook and stuff like that. So some of the more controversial ones. Do they get, get reposted to like HuffPo or anything? Like we don't repost. Okay. Um, HuffPo does do that. Yeah, um, no, I know. That's what I meant. Like, yeah. they, do they take your things and no, then post them? We don't generally no. sort of collaborate with the with the big guys. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, they they cheats kind of like they they steal content and post it and then get ad revenue from it so, and never yeah. reimburse people. So yeah, that's partly why. <laughs> Calling you out, HuffPo. Shit. Come at me, Ariana Huffington. No. You're very small, and I'm pretty sure I could take you. <laughs> but she I'm practices mindfulness with all her staff. <laughs> <laughs> that was a Foley fart. I didn't actually fart, for the record. Oh, yeah, Dave Foley is here. Dave Foley. He's in the, he's in the corner. Just, <laughs> just be quiet. Shh. Quiet, <laughs> quiet, you Dave Foley. It's like the second time we mentioned Dave Foley in two podcasts. Yeah, I know. Well, he wouldn't, like, after we finished the last recording, he just wouldn't shut up about it. And we're like, thank you for, like, sitting. He was sitting on his hands the whole time. <laughs> just really, he was, like, biting his fist so that he wouldn't interject. But yeah, we God, just, if we had Dave Foley on the podcast. We just keep him locked in the closet most of the time. That would be such a gas. <laughs> for a second, I thought you were 
saying that you did, and I was like, what? What? <laughs> Thankful, uh, no, we were telling fibs to you just now. Yeah. That was not autobiographical. It was pure fiction. Theater of the mind. <laughs> theater of the mind. <laughs> Obfuscate. <laughs> oh, boy. So, so let's... Um, w- one of the things that we were talking about off mic before we started was just the element of vulnerability in this kind of writing and mm-hmm. um, the value in that and the terror in it. Mm-hmm. So, like, you, you've said you had quite a few posts, like, really blow up and get a lot of attention. Mm-hmm. Was that, like, a scary thing for you or was it gratifying? Yeah, well, that's... It's kind of what I was talking about when I was, like, I'd finish a post and then, yeah. like close the laptop and go away because I would actually feel like pretty overwhelmed like almost physically like I just sort of I don't want to use well I could use the birthing analogy but you know like got it out and then it's like what just happened okay I gotta sort of recover and I know people are going to be reading it Mm -hmm. and I don't know if I'm ready to um, engage there most of the time it would be positive but there was a couple of experiments that experimental pieces that I wrote that I'm like why did I do that that people were like (laughs) not happy with you know um, but yeah, it's, uh, it actually is like a visceral feeling when you're oh, yeah. putting something out there. Like yeah. It's, it repre- it's, it's almost representative of yourself, even if it isn't like, it's like, this is me out there. This mm-hmm. is a piece of me. And if people don't like it, then they don't like me mm-hmm. is a problem that I have with, with doing that kind of work. So, mm. so it's very, it's like very important that everybody likes me all of the time and that nobody ever doesn't like me. <laughs> well, and the, the awesome experience that I've had, and I think a lot of other people have had at Elephant Journal is they do that and it is very vulnerable, but then they're, that's how we connect with people. Mm-hmm. So once you have faith in that yeah. even though it's really scary this is how we're all connecting you've got to drop really the guard amazing. to connect with people yeah and that's a, that's scary because it's very risky mm-hmm. um but you can't have that connection unless you do that because you can't just have walls up and like be intensely connected to other people it isn't possible mm-hmm. so, exactly yeah yeah and so then i guess when people are just like okay I'm going to trust in this process and I'm just going to put the article out there and then probably like most of the feedback is overwhelmingly positive and like Mm -hmm. I resonated with that too like I really connected with that oh my god it's just like me like that kind of stuff is really awesome or I mean the best are you know when people are talking about really important things like I don't know leaving an abusive relationship Mm -hmm. or quitting drugs and alcohol or you know like these very important sort of healing processes and, and sharing that is super amazing. I mean, that helps people directly in a big way, right? So yeah. Yeah. I think so. And, and when you, when you do post those things that are intensely personal and that could reflect on you in ways that people could be judgmental or mm-hmm. whatever, like to put yourself at risk, like that does help other people. And yeah. I mean, you don't want to internalize that too much. I think, cause I could be like, I'm, I'm really just very brave and I'm helping lots of people. And that's, there's the ego coming back in totally. Mm-hmm. Uh, and trying to balance that is difficult. You want to feed it a little bit, but not too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The ego thing is huge. Yeah. It's but it's super, bit. super destigmatizing to just like share stories and share experiences because it's mm-hmm. like, hey, I'm putting it all out there. If I can do it, then oh, yeah. you're not alone. You yeah, know, that's why. I, that's why I try to speak really openly about like suffering from anxiety or depression mm-hmm. or like mm-hmm. just that super negative self talk and the the um, I don't know what you, what you would necessarily call that, but just like the idea that that everything I do is garbage or something like, and that that, that I feel that imposter syndrome. Uh, and other people don't see that in me. So when I put it out there, say, I feel this way, but other people see me as successful, they're like, oh, maybe the way I'm seeing myself is not a clear picture as well. Exactly. So I feel like being open about that is really important. Um, but it's hard. It's it's tough to do that because somebody could be like, oh, you're just fucking doing this for attention, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's, yep. 
And I need yeah, that. I need and, attention, and, and I need people need support, to interact with right? me. Yeah. Oh, that's um, I can't like my feelings don't feel real until I put them down on paper sometimes and have like other people absorb them and like feedback to me. Yeah. Just uh, sometimes that doesn't feel good. Like sometimes that feels like I can't take care of myself or something. But that's mm. but that's like that negative voice inside my head saying like, "Don't open up. Like don't put yourself out there." So trying to smush that and down. We all, and we all have that. And then it's also like. If that doesn't, is that if that's not something that feels like nobody, not everybody has to publish for nope. you know an, an audience of millions of people or or whatever. Like it's like that works for some people and not for some. Mm-hmm. And then you know people start writing an elephant journal and they're really excited and they're writing all this personal stuff and they start to get tons of views. And then this, I mean, I did this too. It's like how come my views aren't very high on this article? Right? It's like, <laughs> it's a what total, have I done wrong? It's kind nobody of likes that's me. the ego sneaking in. And then I'm always like, no, you. Why are you writing? You're you just stick with why you're writing and, and it's important and number doesn't matter, you know? It's 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 tough though because when you get like a really good thing that goes out there and people really like it, you get like a ton of positive feedback, you can just dine out on that for so long. Yeah. And then you're like, all right, I'm going to do this again. I'm going to get that hit and then you don't. Yeah. So it is kind of like a bit, it, there's a drug metaphor in there, I'm sure. It's just oh, like yeah. you want to just get that hit again. You yeah, get really absolutely. into it. Like It just yeah. feels so good to be validated. And that's a natural thing I think most of our writers, including me, have, have experienced or mm-hmm. a lot of them that write regularly. You know. So I think there is like a real like Buddhisty aspect to it to like put it out there and then it's like okay it's not really mine anymore it's still mm. it's still connected to me but it isn't of me it's not myself mm-hmm. and you just got to be okay with that so I think that there's a real Buddhist angle yeah not that's that I know much about Buddhism but I suspect that that's probably a big part of I the like that, uh, yeah. the founder like putting yeah. that out there and just being like okay it's not me anymore like it's just it's its own thing and I, don't I need know to keep if... going. I mean, I've never really talked about that. I'm experienced. I only know about Buddhism through the sort of reading stuff on the site. I'm not mm-hmm. like a practitioner, um, so I'm not super familiar. But um, that's actually a really interesting thing that I don't know if we've talked about as being a particularly Buddhist thing. But I, I like. I don't think it has to be, but I think it could connect to it. Yeah. In a pretty big way. That like non-attachment thing, mm-hmm. or whatever. Uh, non-attachment. Both absolutely. of my brothers have been very uh, like not a regular practitioners of Buddhism, but both of them like have a million books on Buddhism and like punk Buddhism and all that kind of stuff. And it's cool. like, and it's interesting to see that like as a trajectory of their own life because they have a very different experience than I do because mm-hmm. uh, we're half siblings, so we don't have the same like two parent cluster or whatever mm-hmm. uh, and so and they're older so like their experience like oh okay they clearly needed that to help them like process their own life experience and so so it is something that interests me but I don't know anything about it personally so mm-hmm. maybe I should uh, look into it yeah read some elephant sure. journal <laughs> yeah definitely with that yeah. you guys want to take a break sure sure all right let's do it Let's talk about that. Yeah, let's go into it. So you were you were asking me. You said like, have I always been someone who's comfortable on stage? As you just said, mm-hmm. and I said that. Should we say we're back? Oh, are we back? Yeah, I guess we're back. We're back and we're front too. It's all good. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wasn't thinking. It's it's pretty toasty and there's just a little bit of wine in that uh, spritzer and yeah. I'm feeling it. So yeah, it's a good time. I'm a fancy lady and I'm a good hostess. I made you all white wine spritzer. Goddamn spritzer. right, so delicious. Spritzer. Spritzer. Thank you, Such Chris. a treat. That's my Simpsons reference. Is like Ned Flanders has one white wine spritzer and he just goes crazy in Las Vegas. <laughs> Off and it's the like, chain. 
I just like the white wine spritzer, spritzer, spritzer. <laughs> like I'm wearing nothing at all, <laughs> nothing at all, <laughs> nothing at all. Oh, stupid sexy Flanders. <laughs> I saw a girl dressed as the se- as sexy Flanders one for Halloween online. No it was the best way. thing I've ever seen. That's Super tight leather ski suit with a butt oh <laughs> and a big Ned Flanders like mache head. Oh my goodness! It was really wow. Incredible. That's a complicated costume. I'll show you after we're done. It's probably oh, maybe I'll link Put a that. Link like stupid, <laughs> sexy Flanders. So yeah, I I like being on stage because I already have been embarrassed about being the person that I am. So I already know how to like deal with people not liking me, I guess, or just thinking that I'm a goof. Because I'm like, yeah, I know, I am. It's fine. Let's let's keep moving. Like yeah. let's let's see what we can mine out of this. Yeah. And so it's it's a nice way for me to take control of the fact that I worry about people not liking me. So I get to, like, dictate what I'm saying on stage, and people, like, can interpret that however they want, but I have a lot more control over that than, say, like, just in regular day-to-day life, because I'm in charge. That's like a monologue. Okay. It's not really so much of a dialogue in that. Right. So. Interesting. That's, yeah. As a musician, I get jealous of comedians, because <laughs> if people talk during your set, normally, it, like, that's not really done. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, maybe if you're in sort of a crowded bar and you're doing comedy, it's yeah. not the best, but anytime that you're playing music, people are just talking the whole time. Mostly, unless you're at like a house concert or like a very small venue, but like yeah, people will just talk because we're used to music being in the background, whereas mm-hmm. you can like kind of command like I'm speaking. Yeah. And so like, what I am trying to do more is talk more on stage in between songs, like giving like, hey, this is why I wrote the song, or this is some of the background, and then people kind of get into it, and then they shut up for the song. Mm-hmm. Whereas mm-hmm. if you just kind of play, then people are like, oh, it's pretty background music. Let's yep. talk about you know friends that want to catch up and they go out to see something and there's music that just happens to be there. Mm-hmm. It's also the problem of, like, venues shoehorning music into places that... Uh, when you're eating dinner, you don't need a band there. No. <laughs> like, you just don't. It's that we, we did sign me. up for that. Like, when I go to Tangent or something, or Falconetti's or something, and I'm just like, we're having a nice date or something, and then and then there's jazz. <laughs> like, where did it come from? Yeah. Where did it go? Oh, I never really about it that way because it happens so rarely that I would go out for food and there's music playing so I guess a couple times that it's happened I've been like oh this is nice. It mm. happens a lot here though I think yeah. like there's like, just because there's just such a all of the d- dedicated venues are shutting down and yeah. so it's like yeah shoehorning is the perfect term because it yeah. is like let's just try to find space for this yeah. kind of art because it's just the the venues are really disappearing. You know you play at the main um, and it's like everyone eating dinner in this section we need you to move so that because this is technically the stage <sighs> so at nine o'clock like hey we're gonna load in all of our gear right and at nine that's when the venue feels comfortable telling the patrons to move as well and they're yeah. just hoping that they kind of are already gonna leave already I guess and then you have to be like excuse me like I'm here to play could you excuse could you move me. to another place in the bar you know yeah. and same with our town cafe we do classical revolution there once a month and people are studying they've got their computers set up like it's a coffee shop mm. and we're like it's the stage, though, so at 8 we're going to be doing, you know, classical music. You can still stay and listen, but, like, you have to leave, but often at that time it's packed. Mm-hmm. So you're like, hey, you have to go, and there's no other tables? It's kind of awkward, so it's like, could you move your table somewhere else? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's always... It's, and these are fun places to play music, but then mm-hmm. it just feels sometimes like it's like I'm interrupting someone else's stuff. And so that feels very vulnerable, mm. too, to be on stage and be like... 
Okay, so I'm gonna play my really personal art now. I'm sorry that you all had to relocate and do a thing, but if I can kind of weave a story around the song yeah. or the process, then people kind of get engaged to it more than if I just start playing. Mm. Then they just start talking. This is, this is, I feel like a, a slight theme is emerging here, and I'm not. I don't have a great handle on it, but like the idea of like inflicting art on people. I think <laughs> I think I feel really uh, self-conscious about that, and I, I've noticed that I'm doing that with friends lately because I'm, I'm writing a lot of comedy. And because it's something that you can't really decide if it's funny or not until somebody reacts to it, I like right. make people listen to my bits without asking first, and then I realize, oh, I'm a I'm an asshole. <laughs> like that's maybe not nice. Like they don't want to like inflate my ego or like or coddle me. They just want to have an actual conversation where we're connecting or something, mm-hmm. and it's not me just at them. And I wonder sometimes, I feel that way sometimes when I'm posting my personal writing online. It's just like, I feel like I'm demanding that the people who love me read it. Like, okay. you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, I always say whenever, like for myself personally, but also, I don't know, I've had that conflict before is mm-hmm. in that I always say I'm posting this on my page and, you know, someone, someone might say to me, a friend might say to me, I saw that you posted something or I saw that you published something but I haven't gone around to reading it yet. And mm-hmm. I'm like, that's okay. Mm-hmm. It's your choice, right? Or like if I share something on Facebook, it's like... It's your choice. I mean, if you love me, you'll do it. It's to read it or not. <laughs> but, um, but sometimes, yeah, it's strange. Sometimes I'll find out that like an old friend from high school has been reading all my stuff and like following my work and like... Yeah. It's really interesting because I'm like, oh, shoot, so wait, you, I don't care if strangers know these things about me. <laughs> but somebody who but kind of knows you yeah, is the worst person you know to learn these, these things about. Yeah. That's, like, wow. you know, we'll see what happens with this podcast, too. It's like, there's lots of stuff sure. that I've been like, oh, yeah, here's all my first sexual experiences and all the times I did lots of drugs. Like, well. Yeah, and I talk about weed a lot, yeah. so I'm just like, <laughs> ugh. And I've talked about where I work, and I'm just like, you know what? Yeah. I just gotta live out loud. I gotta just, like, throw it all out there because I'm not good at at maintaining secrets in some places and then not others. Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's too difficult for me. But I know what you mean. I um, had a very weird... Because uh, I, I posted a comedy thing that I did. I had, like, a nine-minute set that got recorded, and it's, like, a really high-quality recording, and I was nice. really, really happy about it. And so I posted it on Facebook, and I guess, like, some people did share it around to people that mm. I don't necessarily know, but, like, the roommate of someone on the forums that we used to frequent you and me Chris yeah. um, and that's how we met like the roommate of someone from there was like oh I got this link and this girl's hilarious like and I was like scared my dog from laughing so hard I'm like who is this person oh wow and it's like oh it's connected to this person and now this person knows like very personal stuff about me because my comedy is pretty personal right so <laughs> it was like oh my gosh yeah you don't know who's gonna see these things yeah. and, and learn mm. things about you and like make uh not assumptions necessarily but just like draw conclusions and mm-hmm. and like get an idea of who you are it's like oh do they have the right idea about me or mm-hmm. something but you don't get to control that but so. i guess yeah. that's also like you try to be as like going back to our thing about clear communication like to be as clear as possible and then once you did it's like you know what this does really represent what I wanted to say and then if you're interpreting it differently that's on you now and it's kind of mm. out of my hands so it has nothing to do with me anymore yeah. well and that's the thing with I mean yeah it's, it's interesting just coming back to the inflicting idea mm-hmm. right yeah so I mean we put our stuff out there other people can choose to mm-hmm. listen or read or whatever mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's their choice, and then yeah. it's also their choice about how they interpret it. Mm-hmm. And they are going to make judgments about you, probably. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's personal. Hopefully good ones, but maybe not. We'll yeah. see. <laughs> yeah. But in terms of, like, inflicting and then the right sort of context for stuff, you know, Renee, you said you post stuff on your page. Like, do you have, like, a separate writer page that you would post work on? I do, actually, yeah. purposefully, because those are the people that are more following my writing. Yeah. There's yeah. some crossover. 
but I, I actually like having that separate yes. area because that's my writer that's my writer stuff yeah and my personal page I don't want it to be all about me as a writer yeah basically and like Katie you have sort of a list of people that have said like hey I want to know about all your comedy stuff that you're doing yeah and so then you post stuff to them more yeah well I'll post stuff to like the main page if it's something that's done or something that's major like like if it's a, the video that mm-hmm. I have or like if I'm doing a booked show I'll post it yeah. oh well. It depends. I'll I'll will post them initially and then probably stop posting them to my main page. But I don't want to make a separate fan page because that just feels like I'm not anywhere near experienced enough to have fans. Yeah. So That's I just what feel I disingenuous. Felt like when I started my but just my to writer page to make though. it, it's not a fan page. It's too bad that they say it, that that's yeah. what it is. It's but like to your just be like, artist yeah, here's mm-hmm. here's a page for me to put all of my artistic mm-hmm. stuff yeah. mm-hmm. that you can follow if you want, and then I'm not going to post mm-hmm. anything on my thing. So like. I have my my public health Twitter account where it's just like, here's me, the professional. Mm-hmm. I'm going to retweet stuff about harm reduction and other policy and whatever. And if you're interested in that, and then maybe my take on this or that. But then I'm also cross-posting the podcast to that one because it's sort of more of a public thing. And I'm like, I don't want to make this all about the podcast either. But then I put it in my bio. But then... You know, I'm not going to link it to, like, my Tumblr or my Facebook because that's where I'm going to put mostly, like, popular... Or not popular. What am I talking about? Personal stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? And so then it's like, you're not always going to be hearing about all the stuff that I'm doing. I also have a website where I put stuff about cello. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, but my personal website is my name, so maybe should I also put stuff about other things that I'm doing that's mm-hmm. not related to cello? Mm-hmm. Maybe. That shoots off to another page. I just like having, again, with the boundaries... Yep. I like having a delineated place to put the stuff. Okay, I'm going to talk about these topics here. Mm-hmm. If you're interested, cool. Mm-hmm. If you don't, yeah. if you just want to know about this stuff, go here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I don't feel like I'm in. Like I've kind of done my work that I'm not inflicting it on somebody else. Yeah. And it's yeah, like, yeah. You're like yeah. these people have chosen <laughs> yeah. already exactly. to be yeah, to have this the shot at them. Is, is yeah. sort of separating it out. Yeah, like I've got that. like 25 people on that like comedy list of people who wanted to know every time I was going to be performing. So like nice. every time I'm doing like even so much as an open mic, I'll post to that and be like, I'm doing this at this place tonight. So. And people can come and not, and they, uh, people are very apologetic for not coming out to things, and I'm like, it's, oh, I know. like, I don't care. It's fine. I mean, it's, I like that you cared enough to say that, Yeah. but, like, just come out another time. Like, yeah, the fact that you're interested enough to, to yeah. know when it was, thank you when for, it was. Yeah, and, it's very and, much like, thank you for you loving know? me, thank yeah. you for caring about me, um, and worrying about how I feel about whether or not you support you or there, like, your butt's in the seat, but it's fine. Like, I recognize everybody has their own life, and, like, yeah. I don't need people to be stroking my ego all the time or, like, mm-hmm. constantly, like cheering me on or anything yeah. like that's great when they do but like I don't want anybody to feel like they have, are responsible for making me feel good about the art that I make yeah mm-hmm. but it's oh man there's just so many things wrapped up in that too because I think we're all socialized to really care about what other people think about us do you so think guys we, think about this as much about the know. stuff that they make <laughs> I, don't I don't know, know. Probably. some of them do some I would them think for sure. some of them probably don't yeah. at all they're like I'm a genius everybody look at what I'm doing <laughs> What is it, Chelsea Peretti? I yeah. want to wake up in the morning with the confidence of a mediocre white man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm awesome. People probably totally want to hear what I have to say. I was just thinking, though, about people apologizing for not doing something because it's like maybe you would want someone to apologize to you because you would feel bad if they mm. didn't. Like, there's so much projecting of what we want onto other situations oh my God, right? that I really just want to have a moratorium on, like, apologies. Like... I tell people I invite everyone to everything that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So I am constantly, like, not maybe spamming people with invites to stuff, but, mm-hmm. like, you know, Facebook invite or I email people if it's more important to me or more personal to me. But it's always, like, nobody has any obligation. Or if it's like, mm-hmm. hey, I'm having people over for a jam, you know, next weekend. 
I'm going to invite 50 people. Like, five are going to come. I don't care. And the cool thing is, like, often people from very disparate groups of friends of mine will show up and then make friends Mm -hmm. with each other, Mm -hmm. which is awesome. And that makes me feel like that's my ego thing. I'm a community builder. (laughs) You are. You love fostering connections. That's, like, your jam is, like, putting people together who could work together who wouldn't have found each other. Exactly. Like, Lauren. Like, meeting Lauren. I'm like, oh, fuck, I want to make stuff with you. You're just so funny. Yeah. And nice. So, and so stuff like that where it's like I'm casting this net really wide, but then people are like, oh, I'm so sorry I couldn't come. And I'm like, it's fine. I'm actually never going to stop inviting you to things. There's only a few people that I've stopped inviting because they've asked me like, hey, like, I don't like things like this. You oh. know, I don't need to, I don't ever want to come to something like that. Okay. And it's like, I love that. I'm like, cool. Yeah. Great. Great. Uh, Be explicit. Yeah. Like then I won't. And, but maybe for this thing, they're like, yeah, sure. You can still kind of keep me in. So I feel like I've got a lot of stuff in my brain about who likes what things. Mm-hmm. It's not like it's written down anywhere. I just kind of remember. Um, Emotional labor. Yeah. I just love, though, I mean, from the, <laughs> from the invitee perspective, mm-hmm. a friend of mine invited me to something. I hadn't seen her in a couple of years, and we're, like, not that connected anymore. We probably didn't even hang out that much right before I moved to Montreal. But she, she just, I guess she saw that I was in town. I didn't specifically tell her, but she saw on Facebook that I was in town, and she, like, invited me to a thing even though we hadn't talked a lot or anything. Mm-hmm. And to me, just that thought, just her remembering, realizing I was in town and reaching out, and, like, I really appreciate being invited to things mm-hmm. just for that, like, gesture, like yeah. the, the, hey, I want you to be here. Yeah. That means something to huh. me. Whether yeah, or not wonderful. I actually go, it's, like, meaningful. I feel mm-hmm. like, yeah, yeah. Okay, you were talking about, uh, Chris, you were talking, I'm pointing, I should really be careful about that, Chris, you were talking <laughs> about how it's easy for you to do that and you don't, it's fine if people don't want to come and that's... And you're totally fine with receiving lots of invites to things and you don't have to go to them and stuff. And so I think that sometimes I overly, I do a lot of that projecting. Like, I am that apologizer. Like, mm-hmm. I truly am like that. So it's, I guess, is it ironic? I don't know. You're the writer. You Is it ironic, the fact that I that I don't <laughs> like it when people apologize to me so much when I apologize so much to them? Or is that just, like, you, that's hypocritical? The classic, <laughs> that's the classic. You just, you get annoyed at things that actually annoy you about yourself. But when other people yeah. do it, you see it and you're like, eh. yeah. I, guess it, I guess it's kind of ironic. Yeah, like, no, we're not going all Alanis here. No. <laughs> well, even those are very good examples. <laughs> exactly. But uh, I definitely. <laughs> I, I feel that really strongly when I post things where I'm like, Ugh, I'm putting a lot of pressure on people because like when certain people invite me to certain things, I feel like a lot of pressure is on. Like, hmm. Katie, I need you to come and like be the, almost like the, um, like an air freshener at the party or something. Like I'm, I'm bringing a special vibe to something. Oh, like, the, okay. like people are asking yeah. me to sort of bring this like particular social Alchemy. That sounds like a dickhead are thing people, to say. Are That's people saying that explicitly? Like, I really was want like, you to I come want you to be there because, and... like, you're you're like, there's all these people in there. They are they're funny and you're funny, and so like that. That's gonna be like a or like, please come. Like, you're so you're fun or something like yeah. that. And that mm. then it's like, I, would, I don't want you to have fun. I want you to make it fun. Yeah, mm-hmm. I would, so I would say yeah. don't. Yeah, I, I wish don't people mean that. It's just yeah. how I've interpreted. No, but it. I've I've definitely like, that was my ice cube went pop. Invited. <laughs> Because I'm a little bit more introverted, I'm mm. definitely, you know, I'll invite somebody and I'll be like, oh, I'll invite my friend, I don't know, my friend Robin, who's like my, one of my best friends that I would invite wherever anyways, mm-hmm. but I'm like, she will be, she will be good at um, breaking the ice with people who don't know each other because she's yep. extroverted and she talks a lot and she's fun. Mm-hmm. 
So, but then there is that, probably that pressure sometimes yeah. for that person. I yeah. guess, like, as much as I'm for being explicit about things, maybe that isn't a place where it could be. How about just, like, I really want you to come to mm-hmm. this thing, yeah. and not to say, because you're so fun and you're going to make it fun. Like, yeah. leave that part off they of it. They may not even say it, but it's, like, an implicit thing when it's someone you know very well, I think. Like, and you, they interpret you a certain way, and they think about you a certain way, and they want, like... Like fun Katie to come out. Yeah. Or like, I want to and anal- always fun Katie. I want to totally. analyze if that is maybe you also thinking that that's what they mean and it's more. Oh, about I'm totally you. projecting. It's totally about me. Yeah, like, I'm a dinkus. Like this is. Yeah, I, I'm aware that this is a problem. <laughs> but I mean, there are a few people who like really do like. Yeah. They they like what I bring to something, sure. and then, then that's that they want me there like to to do that. And that, again, that sounds super egotistical, but no, but yeah. it's it is a realistic I think mm-hmm. um, pressure whether it, you're putting it on you. Like I think. I'm putting it I back on you, but the other person, the friend who invited yeah. you, is okay with any Katie. Yeah. But then there's this. There is sort of a little bit of an expectation too that like, oh, fun energy. And I think yeah. in in theory they 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 would be okay with hearing a no from me, but I I never feel good about saying no to that kind of stuff. And mm, I think that's where it comes from is where... the fact that I don't feel comfortable saying no to people all the time. Mm. I'm getting better working on it. That's a real like vulnerability I'll piece I could write about because I'm no coach I'll forever. Be your mirror. <laughs> <laughs> Reflect what you are. Um, uh, I don't know what that is. <laughs> it's a Velvet Underground song? Mm. Oh, okay, fine. I don't fuck with Velvet Underground. No, okay. <laughs> I don't really fuck with cheese. Uh, <laughs> you know, who doesn't fuck with the Velvet Underground? I don't know. I don't really care. You don't like heroin music? Mm, no. Not really. <laughs> yeah, no, fair enough. Uh, but yeah, like learning to say no is really tough for me because I'm like, I want to be sweetie pie all the time. And being able to be like, no, I don't want to is something that I would love to be able to do and then not worry about like whether or not somebody feels like absolute garbage after hearing that from me. Because mm. I... I have definitely said no to stuff, and then people have said, hey, it really hurt my feelings really? when you turn that down. I'm like, shit. Well. Tough Tough, titties. I guess. Like, it, uh. it's, it's too bad. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm sorry that you felt that way. I'm <laughs> like, sorry the, you feel that way. Which is, Ooh. like, the non-apology apology. But it's kind of like, but I, like, I try not to just be like, no, I don't want to do that because it's dumb. <laughs> <laughs> you suck. Like, because that's not what I mean ever. It's always about me. Right, so it's again not. But you might have any amount of reasons. Exactly. You may or may not tell the person too. Well, you that's exactly like, what it is. I have PMS and I need to stay at home. Or exactly. It's a lot. That's ninety percent of why I don't go out to <laughs> something. Honestly. But that's just it. So like, I want the person that's hearing my no to not be like, oh, she hates me. Yeah. I want them to hear, oh, okay, she doesn't want to come. It could be a, for a variety of reasons. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, you know, I care about you a lot. I hope to see you soon. Bye. Mm-hmm. Like, that's great. Maybe if there was a law that we all had to tell people if we didn't like them for truth. Like, if we were like, oh. I don't like you. Uh, and then people wouldn't have to wonder, like, does this person not like me because they're not coming? No, I know they like me because they legally had to tell me whether or not they we liked me. Sign, <laughs> sign an affidavit of likitude. Likitude. Affidavit of... Affidavit. Uh, yeah, I love that. Because I, I, I just really, that's something that I have trouble with, for sure. It's, uh, like, I have friends that, and you know who I'm, I'm talking to you if you're listening to this, where it's like, you don't know if people still like you or not, and it's really hard, and your brain is lying to you about shit, and it's just like, yeah. oh, people, everybody hates me and stuff. So it's like I wrote postcards that are just like, these statements are always true. Mm. They're always true. Mm-hmm. 
And if they're no longer true, I will ask you to mail them back to me or give them back to me or I'll tell you that they're not... Like, as if. I adore this person forever. Like, they're not ever not going to be true. But it's just like, read the postcards. I wrote things on there and it's like, one of them was like, I'm really excited to see your next drawing. And it's Mm. like, you know what? That's always true. Mm. I'm always excited to see that. Or like, I really care about you. I'm probably thinking about you right now. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, that's always true because I am. You know, so that kind of stuff. I wish that we all had that. Huh. In our, with our friendships. This is totally Mm. making me realize something because, like, when I feel annoyed or something with somebody wanting me or wanting something from me, that's, it's not about them at all. Like, um, at the Mm. very surface level of my brain, I'm like, oh, why do they ask so much of me? But when I go Mm -hmm. down below that, it's like, why do I feel so bad about saying no to this? Mm -hmm. And why do I feel like I'm not allowed to take care of myself over top of taking care of somebody else? Like, Mm -hmm. why can't I prioritize that? So it's not about them. It's about my feeling like I am not good at just saying no, right? Like, or just saying, like, I actually really just need to look after myself right now. Hmm. Um, and I'm working on that. I want to write a friendship contract. <laughs> Wouldn't that be so funny to yeah. be like, here's all the different clauses in the contract, and there's, like, the if, when, then, whatever, where yep. it's like, if in a situation, like, you don't want to, like, no one, no, neither party are obligated to disclose their reasons for <laughs> yeah. a no-fault divorce. <laughs> yeah. but, but to, like, write it in, like, a funny, le- like, a legal style, but to have it sort of be a thing that's more comedic, but also... Our friend Hillary talks a lot about, like, she writes down the things that she... Needs. The things that she needs and the ways that she feels appreciated. Like, Mm -hmm. I feel appreciated when people help me do chores sometimes because I can't. Or, like, for me, personally, like, I feel really needed when someone asks me to help them with a project or, like, hey, can you connect me with this or that? Like, again, going into that community Mm -hmm. builder thing. These are the ways that I feel like I'm receiving love from people. You could write mm. that into the contract. Mm-hmm. But then there's also, like, clause material about That's just, love like... language. Well, yeah, mm. so you have to maybe do a little bit of negotiation around oh, yeah. your love language with your friends. Like, and this is, like, really... I'm just thinking about, like, a writing project, maybe even for Elephant Journal. Like, a friendship contract. That's cool. That would know? also play really well on the toast, probably. Yeah, like you a, and I... Whereupon the undersigned. Yeah, yeah. The, under, the undersigned agreed on this, and it's like, you know, if I don't want to... If I don't like one of your friends from another friend group, and I don't want to go, like, party A is under no obligation to disclose to party B that they don't like it, they can just take... And it's like, party B will take no for an answer without <laughs> questioning. Just things like that would be very funny. I could see how that would be really funny. I would really yeah, like okay. to work on writing that. Okay. Cool stuff. <laughs> I like that. Let's, Friendship uh, contract. Let's open a Google Doc together. and we'll All right. Yeah. <laughs> Collaboration. Yeah. I love that. I don't know. That's rad. Because think that all of the stuff that we're talking about is stuff that you struggle with with your friends a lot. Mm-hmm. Because there's a lot of like nonverbal cues, a lot of social expectations around like how we're supposed to act with people. Mm-hmm. And I would just rather everything be very explicit. And if you want to just take that to the extreme for yeah. comedy. Well, that is sake. comedy, right? Well, it's taking that concept to the absolute maximum. Fucking it. Well, and the other thing is, is like there's so many things written like on Elephant Journal, but el- everywhere yeah. about how to deal with these things in your relationship. And it's normally referring to a normative. You know, romantic relationship, like how to deal with conflict with your partner or Mm -hmm. or your spouse or whatever. So there's not enough, I think, like whenever I would write a relationship thing, I'd always say this is about any kind of relationship. It's just, I'd always like include all of those, like any kind of relationship. Um, But uh, so I think we need more. 
I think we need more sharing of mm -hmm. ideas of how to be good friends and how to offer that. I'm going to bring my union background in here yeah. and be like, what about a friendship collective agreement? Oh. Because the language of that is written in a, in a nicer way where it's like all of us together agree that, you know, the employer will do this and the employee, like the union members will do this, but it's like the members of this friendship collective that we have. And it, it outlines it's a lot of... so fucking nerdy. It, I love it. Yes, it outlines... Policy wonky. It outlines a lot of stuff about, like, here's how you get your vacation time, here's how you negotiate your sick leave, da da And a lot of the language in a collective agreement is, like, by mutual agreement between the two parties, so, like, it leaves a lot of room for figuring shit out yourselves, but mm -hmm. it has some general guidelines so that no one feels exploited. Yeah. That's a really wonderful thing. Right? It is. That's <laughs> awesome. I'm in a union and I love it. Let's so. do it. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's write a contract. I don't know. It's, it's a project. It's I like fun. it. Anyway. I like the idea of just having a Google Doc and like Plugging having, a, in, having yeah. a, a joint Google Doc that you can cool. like play on and like write ideas. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. Sweet. I don't even remember what we were talking about and how we got there. <laughs> I think it was just like, it was the inflicting thing and the, yes. the feeling obligated or feeling um, like you are obligated and making other people feel obligated. And that's never uh, something we don't, never really want to do, except with, I feel like with family, sometimes that's necessary because like there is the obligation of family and it's like, mm -hmm. well, sometimes shit sucks in a family like someone is dying or something like that and you all have to get together and yeah. like just kind of just endure together and mm. I think that that's it's a little bit different with friendships and stuff because there's not like that sort of uh inflexible well, not inflexibility but you know what I mean like fam family is different I, I, I think about my friendships and my romantic relationships in very very similar language because it's very much we've all chosen mm -hmm. to be with each other mm -hmm. whereas with your family my blood family, I didn't choose them. I would have chosen them if given the op opportunity, I think, but there's stuff that I don't necessarily like mm -hmm. about it. And it's just, like, it's it's less of that conversation and more about, like, you know, like, just, I don't know, trying really hard not to hurt each other, probably, and to support each other, but it's mm -hmm. it's a little bit different because it's less... You're kind of tolerating each other a little bit more than you would You'll with put your up friends. With way, I put up with way more bad behavior in my family than I do in my friendships, and they would mm -hmm. probably be surprised to hear that. Because I, I just don't call shit out that much in my family because it's mm -hmm. like, is it worth even having an argument over something mm -hmm. that's, like, relatively minor? Whereas, like, because I was thinking, like, oh, and your, like, romantic friendships are just, like, really close friendships that you have. Like, we say romantic friendships because we treat each other like, like a romantic partner. Yeah, we do. And so that, to me, it should just be, like, friendships. But mm -hmm. there are, you know, varying degrees of engaging with that. But, like, a lot of people have their chosen family. Mm -hmm. And, but I guess chosen is the key word, right? Yeah. Where it's, like, I'm not going to tolerate bad stuff from you because we've actually chosen to be in this mm -hmm. together and we've talked about explicitly what it means to be in this relational thing together. Mm. But it's like, I have, you know, friends and I know lots of friends that take care of each other through like some bad shit and where it's like, you know what, like you're having a really hard time and like, this is not my experience, but I've seen from other like community folks where it's just like, wow, like you're really working yourself really hard to take care of that person, but you're doing it because they really need it right now, and, like, you know it's going to be reciprocated, but, like, mm -hmm. we still endure a lot for our friends because they sure. are our family. Yeah, no, absolutely, and that's... I, I feel often better about that because I... Um... Because it is a cho it's a choice, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and sometimes with family, it doesn't feel like a choice. It's like right. you just mm -hmm. have to do it, and you nobody has to do anything with their family. Mm -hmm. But there is this sense of like you didn't pick them. You just have to make it work as best as you can with those people. Because it's yeah. it's it's less like okay, we've created something together. It's like no, we've grown from like a seed together. Like family 
they've known you forever and they think of you as somebody you used to be a lot and that's hard to deal mm-hmm. with I have as they're not seeing who you are now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I have definitely excised members of my family from my life. Yeah. And so well, sometimes... Was, so have I recently. Yeah. Sometimes it's really hard to hear those things that you're saying about, like, you just have to put up with it because they're yeah. family. I'm just like... Oh, I'm not talking about abuse. Though. Oh, There's no. a big difference. Oh, I know. I know. Mm-hmm. But so, like, with my grandmother, we went back and forth about how much time I actually spent with her. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to borrow from Dan Savage, even though I'm not super huge fan of him anymore, but, like... He talked about, like, as an adult child of your family, like, Mm -hmm. the only leverage that you have is your presence in their life. Mm -hmm. So you can leverage that, and you'd be like, you have to treat me better or else I'm not coming over. Mm -hmm. And so I had to do that with my grandma, who would constantly just be like, you're fat, like, you have to lose so much weight, like, uh, like, your tummy this, your tummy that, oh, stop eating that thing. And it's just like, if you're going to keep saying that stuff, like, I am not coming over. Yeah. I'm certainly not having dinner with you because you comment on everything that I eat. And, like, wow. she got in, like, she kind of got it and, like, stopped saying that. And with my uncle, who was very well-meaning, he would just comment every time, like, oh, you look like you've lost weight. Oh, you look so good. You look like you've right. lost weight. And I had to keep saying, like... Don't say anything positive or negative about my body because when yeah. you say something and when you don't say something, then I feel weird. Yeah. And eventually he got it too. I'm like, and I said, like, I'm I'm gonna stop spending time with you because you make me feel shitty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So figure it out. It's your choice. Like you can keep behaving the way you're behaving or you can change. Mm-hmm. And so you get to choose. Yeah. And I'm not trying to change you. But I will also not tolerate that. Yeah. And so, like, but with my father, it's, like, much more deeper levels of, like, yeah. emotional abuse and, like, yeah. terrible stuff. So I've, like, excised him away. But a lot of stuff I put up for years until I was, like, 23, mm-hmm. being like, oh, but this is family and you just have to tolerate yeah. it. And I guess that's just mm. how it is. Like, he's my dad and all that, blah, blah, blah. Until wow. finally I was like, fuck this. I'm out. Mm-hmm. So even that is, like, mm-hmm. they're still my chosen family. You're, <laughs> in so, terms, you're like, so good at boundaries, though. Like, you're but so good But I had to at... learn that, I think, because of that experience. Yeah. Mm. No, totally. Yeah. It comes from that experience. And I, I maybe I just haven't done that very much with my family, I think. Yeah. Like, um, and there isn't because your levels. family are like fucking They're pretty sweeties. Sweet. Yeah. They have their blind spots in big ways for sure. And sometimes As do I'm we just all. like, I wish that I could just tell you, okay, like, why doesn't so and so like me? I'm like, I could fucking sit you down for three hours and tell you why, <laughs> but you don't want to hear that. You just yeah. want to vent about how like you don't have the relationship with this person you would like to have. Mm-hmm. And that's what I struggle with because I see the dynamics and I'm like, I know exactly why they have an issue with you. And if I tell you why, you'll say, Well, that's just not true. That's not true at all. I'm not like that. Like, well, but you're so. And I'm sure that they could say similar things about us. And oh our God! Things yeah, too. I'm like I'm too sensitive. I'm so many hey, things. Hey, so. that part of the friendship collection agreement is that we can actually like offer offer constructive feedback. <laughs> yeah, that. it's useful. But as in, long as it's in a, I think subclass subclass <laughs> um, that you have to ask for consent before giving that kind of stuff okay yeah. and enough, and yeah. in the, the sort of phrase about like when someone's venting you know that do you want to just feel comforted or do you want to actually hash this out do you just want to vent or do you want to have yeah like a discussion where I like really tell you because like sometimes totally. if, if like I'm just venting to Katie and Katie mm-hmm. goes well actually I think you should do this or whatever and then I'm like fuck you I did not want to hear that <laughs> Yeah. Because oh, I was yeah. just trying to vent, and I know what I have to do. I do. Oh, I don't want to hear that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've definitely been there too. You know, so it's like you got to pick your moment. So mm-hmm. subclause, it has to be like a negotiated. Time. We've gotten pretty For good sure. at like at like just asking that, like or just declaring like I just need to vent right now, yeah. mm-hmm. or like 
or saying like, I don't know what the fuck is going on. Can you give me your input? Mm-hmm. So that's been very useful. We're, yeah. we're pretty good with boundaries with each other. I yeah. think like we're pretty good at communicating. And, and I'm very so. lucky to have a friend like Katie and I have other friends. You're definitely the prime one that I can go to for venting. It's like in my romantic relationship, I don't have that kind of venting thing. And that's by design. We don't do that to each other because mm. it kind of takes some of the sexiness out of it. Like mm. if we're just griping at each other about right. everything. That's why I try not to fart around my wife all the time. Right? <laughs> and, you know, with, with work relationships, like we've, I've made a sort of a pact with a, like a wonderful coworker of mine um, that basically we don't vent about work to each other because it's like that just reinforces this negative thing of like everything's shitty and our job sucks and mm-hmm. it's all everybody else's oh, fault yeah. and we'll shit on other coworkers and da da. And as soon as we feel ourselves getting into that piece, we're like, stop it, stop it, stop yeah. it, stop it. So vent to other people outside of work about work, mm-hmm. vent to other people outside of relationships about relationship, like find different people to vent. And I think that's a big thing about having like a diverse support network. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, you want to hear something really funny? Yes. Yes, we do. This is technically a comedy do it, podcast. Do it, say it. So I've been really obsessed with Hamilton lately. And you as an every goddamn person on the Hamilton internet. Hamilton is a, like a hip hop musical it's about sh- Alexander Hamilton, the what? United States. It's Have you so not heard about that? No. Good. We'll talk like about close it. Close to New York. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about I don't it know. later. I guess I'm out of it. It's just it's so good. The lyrics are amazing. The beats are fucking sick. Anyway, I'm so obsessed. But as I was ranting that rant about having a diverse support network, I totally heard this beats behind me. I'm like, I'm like, you just need a diverse support network and this and that and the other. Like, I don't rap. I'm a 30-year-old white lady. I've got a glass of wine with ice cubes in it right now. Like I'm You got not, the Liz Lemon special. I'm not I'm not hip-hop anything, but I did feel very powerful saying that because I felt that beat underneath fucking that musical is so good. And it's so dorky. So you brought that back to like the how <laughs> How, how these kinds of conversations that we're having connect to making art, I think. Here's me trying to, like, fucking pilot this shit. Thank you. <laughs> I'm lost. <laughs> lost at sea, like oh. Carmen. Um, oh, fuck. And so, like, you've talked about, like, how that, like, adding that artistic, like, the beats and stuff and how that makes you understand yourself a little bit better. So, like, mm. if we maybe just bring them back, the conversation that we're having about friendships and relationships and stuff and that that vulner the importance of the vulnerability the not inflicting things on each other like how i'm trying to think of like a good question to ask you now renee uh like how how has that like interacted with you for your your personal life have you had to like edit people that you know before like is that an awkward thing or mm. yeah i've had i've had a couple of friends i don't ever feel an awkwardness because i want people to i feel like i really want people to feel safe with me reading, editing, but also reading. But right. I mean, the main thing is that I'm, I'm, I'm editing this. I usually don't do a lot, but editing, then it's going to go public. So I always make sure, especially if it's really personal, mm-hmm. you're good with this. Well, I mean, I can't always make sure. If it's a friend and I'm doing, I'm sort of, I'll give them a little bit of extra, like, check in with them. Mm-hmm. But the idea is that. I, they're like putting this thing in my hands. It's yeah. Personal, so so, so that's I haven't. I haven't yeah. Yeah. There's a big trust thing. Mm-hmm. And that's the big um, thing about like we were talking like the right context of giving feedback and stuff. It's like, hey, here's my piece. I'm giving it you. Gi- giving it you. I'm giving it. I'm you. I'm giving it you as the editor. But then. Well, you're first right. of all, that sentence is fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> that's my first piece of feedback for you. Like, ow, wicked harsh. <laughs> But then as the editor, you're receiving that in your, you've got your editor hat on. Yes. 
right? So it's, it's not like you're it's not like you're gonna go to you're not gonna go to your friend's Twitter feed and be like, well, here's some feedback that I have for you about yeah, your writing style. Yeah, like there's exactly. a time and a place. I think that's yeah. the important thing too. Yeah. No, oh, I've never felt I'm awkward. Done. I never felt awkward. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so giggly. Well, awkward maybe wasn't the right, but is, is there like, is there a, a challenge for you? Like, is it more difficult for you to edit something from someone you know than it is from a stranger? Or is it easier? Mm, I don't know. I mean, I, I sort of, there's a lot of people that I know sort of more from the online community mm-hmm. of Elephant Journal, so I feel like they're kind of close friends, but I don't mm-hmm. actually know them in person, so there's still that distance that probably brings a little bit of objectivity Mm -hmm. that's good Mm -hmm. um but I think yeah anytime I've written it's it's just funny we've referred to that editor hat thing before so that's very accurate (laughs) it's like to picture what the hat actually looks like (laughs) is it a top hat is it like a trilby I was thinking like a little train conductor cap with a brim and that's oh that's perfect or is it one of those helmets that has two beers strapped to it with like the straws (laughs) coming down that it's two glasses awesome. of white wine with ice cubes in them. <laughs> jingle, jingle, jingle. Um, so we are, like, we're not at time here, but I, I, I kind of want to, like, maybe have one last major uh, question or, like, theme to talk about. Um, and I had it before I started talking, and then it just flew oh. the fuck out of my head. Um, I think... That okay, so we were talked about legitimacy earlier in the podcast mm-hmm. and like how we get how we find that legitimacy specifically with autobiographical writing. Mm-hmm. I think that I, I know that as somebody who does autobiographical writing and who does autobiographical comedy, I sometimes feel like a goof that I'm just taking things from my life and not making shit up. Like, because it seems like it's more real creativity if you if you tell something that hasn't happened than something that. Um, that has happened, but with some creative flourishes to make it more funny or interesting or whatever. So, so is that something that rings true for you? Like the, the, the idea that like writing your own story isn't necessarily worth doing? Like, does that, is that something that you've ever dealt with? Well, I mean, it's kind of, okay. I'm just trying to get a clarity on what you mean. There's. Oh yeah. No, I'm, it's, it's tough. I'm very hungover. (laughs) I mean, there's the authenticity thing. Mm-hmm. And usually, I'm not, I, we don't know if people are actually telling the truth or not. Mm-hmm. We have no idea. Right. So you just have to sort of like go with your gut um, when you read something and if mm-hmm. you, whether or not you want to publish it and you get an instinct as to whether or not this is authentic mm-hmm. and real. And there's a, we don't have a lot of fiction. That's one of the genres that we don't have a lot of. So right. I think... Mm-hmm. what you were touching on was maybe... No, I meant you as a writer, personally. Oh, me as like, a writer. Do you okay. feel any of that, like... Because we talked also about imposter syndrome. Like, do you mm-hmm. feel like, well, this is already, like, my story, and I've written it, and is that good enough? Like, is that something? Because mm. I definitely struggle with that. Like, why... Like, my story's not interesting. I lived it. Like, it wasn't that interesting to me. It's not going to be interesting to anybody else. But yet, here I'm compelled to do it anyway. Well, I think it's more like I sort of write about topics and themes, and I'll incorporate my own personal right. story in a small way. Mm-hmm. But I'm not, I feel like I'd love to get You're some more You're not a confessional experience. writer, necessarily. No, not really, no. I definitely keep things personal. Like, I'll say things fairly vaguely on purpose, mm-hmm. just so that I don't divulge too much about some really personal stuff. Um, that might change. There's things that I'd love to write about publicly that are pretty personal, but I'm not sure if and when. It's hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a hard thing to do. Yeah. But, um... What about you, Chris? You, you, you write some very personal songs. Yeah. So, I have a difficulty sort of with songwriting because I also use a lot of sort of metaphor and weird language mm-hmm. in my songs that it's like if you read the text, 
mm-hmm. of it, I think that you probably wouldn't understand what I was talking about. And that's the songwriting style that I've really gravitated towards. I really tried to write story songs where it was like, here's the first... Here's you a Decemberist song or whatever. Basically, yeah. right? Because like, I listen to a lot of folk music where it's like it does have a narrative. Here's the first verse. It sets up the story. The second verse has like a climactic event. Mm. And the third verse Carl's is... got a boat and he took it out to sea <laughs> and he did a thing and then he died. <laughs> that's, that's every Decemberist that's song. every Decemberist song. <laughs> and then, you know, the third verse kind of wraps it up and there's like some tension in the bridge. Like it kind of... The way that a standard song is written is very much like the narrative arc that you would see in... English lit class, right? right? And I kind of do some of that, but I've really gravitated towards, as I'm trying to write my own music, just whatever words are flowing out, and then I kind of massage it to the rhythm, and so a lot of it is kind of like, this doesn't really flow as, like, a narrative at all, Mm -hmm. but it kind of has a vague... Yeah. Vague. Yeah, some emotional truth. <laughs> yeah, some it. emotional truth. The like one line really is poignant, and like each line is poignant on its own, but together they don't really make a lot of sense. Yeah, you know the context, That's... and so it's. But then I know, you. I know, like the very specific thing that I'm writing about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like I have that one song that we've Fight talked about. No, well, oh, fighter, fighter, flight is more of a story song actually. Yeah. But even still, like they're. Even then, it's not like they did this and then this happened and then this happened. Like, there's not a linearness to it, but it's more about it's three, each verse is like three separate sort of experiences, I guess, that all are on the same theme. Mm -hmm. I have another song that I wrote it about a particular person. And when I told other people about it, they're like, oh, I have that person in my life, too. I have that person in my life, too. It's like the, the person that makes you feel so amazing when they're focusing their energy on you. And that you feel like you're the most special person in the world. And then as soon... I remember having that conversation with you. Oh, yeah. It's a deep well. (laughs) Oh, God, As soon as they sort of turn and focus on someone else, they focus all their... And then you suddenly are just like, what the fuck? I thought I was the most important, but I feel so empty without this stuff. Like, really Mm -hmm. difficult things to grapple with. And then I wrote it as a metaphor as, like, when the sun explodes. And what do do we do then? And how did we cope with it after that? And so that's, like, the metaphor, and it's, like, very obvious, kind of, that it's about a person, but Mm -hmm. it's also called, like, you know, the solar flare that ended us. (laughs) It's just, like... I guess that's kind of interesting about... So I have, like, some poetry I usually Mm -hmm. publish on my personal blog. Yeah, Mm -hmm. so this is, I guess, the poetry. the poetry stuff. I'll incorporate a whole bunch of ideas, and it's, like, a metaphor, and, like, usually I'm talking about more than one person or more than one situation Mm -hmm. in these sort of metaphors. And conflating a lot of stuff and with a lot of feelings in sort of a lyrical way. Yes. So Mm -hmm. that's... I feel like I hide behind that a little bit because straight autobiography is you do obfuscated autobiography yeah, kind of yeah there's it's a ten dollar like, word for yeah, it yeah everything is about me but it's very much written in a way that it's just it's like about oh. the feelings rather than the specific yeah. events so yeah it is very it, exactly poetry to music which is how it that's that's the good sh- that's that good shit I do like yeah, you know totally. that's a, it's a fun time yeah well guys I think that about takes us to the end of our time today mm-hmm Renee, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having um, me. Really excited to look up the Elephant Journal. Do you have anything else yeah. you want to plug while you're here? Anything else I want to plug? Anything you want to plug? That's um, what you got to say at the end of a podcast. It's a rule. Uh, well, it's a really great site, and it's $13 a year to subscribe, but you can read three articles a day for free. So it's, a do- it's like a dollar and something cents per month. Basically, yeah. That's, that's, yeah. So that's it's ridiculous. A, it's a good deal, and it supports indie media, and um, we're, you know... We're not, we're, we're independent, so we have a little bit of advertising and stuff, but we're not. But you need those subscriptions. Yeah, subscription really stuff is great. Yeah. 
Right on. Cool. Well, guys. So thank you. What a great day. Yeah, yeah. thanks. Let's uh, let's go swim in the ocean. I think it's almost warm enough. Woohoo! Yay. See Bye. you guys next week. <laughs>